What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another Review Point podcast coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. Not many of these this year because not many movies are coming out this year, but one of them did, at least on HBO Max. That's what we're going to be talking about here today after uh, nine, ten months or so since I think like the last one or so. Um, yeah, we're going to do our usual stuff here, break down what we liked, what we didn't like, all the other kind of things that go along with the movie. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango. Joining me for this edition is Robert DeFelice. Oh, we're back in 1984, Tony. How do you feel? Uh, quite young, because I wasn't born yet. <laughs> uh, that's correct. I, I was very far from being born myself. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful time. Technology is at its peak, and it will never get better. Some things will get better, some things will get worse. Stranger Things is happening around this time, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of strange things happening. Especially if you live in the world of DC, because this is what we're going to be talking about, is Wonder Woman 1984 came out on Christmas. We are recording this the day after Christmas. So we've had a chance to watch the movie. I thought about maybe doing a, like a fan tracks or something, but then I was like, you know, Maybe maybe uh, I don't want to have my gut reactions to this because I, to be perfectly honest, did not anticipate that this would be a good movie. And I'm going to bury the lead here. I was right. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do agree with you in that regard. I thought it was fun, but it's like they can do better. And this wasn't it. It's a fun movie that's not good. Like, um, uh, at the end of the year, I usually do the fanboys film awards and it's, you know, what do I think would be if I did the Oscars and I catered more to the geek culture types of films and didn't just say, oh, they, they can't win because they're like a sci-fi film or something. Can't really do that this year. Is this year just not enough came out that it would have been the case, but yeah, this is nowhere near as bad as new mutants, for instance, that's just a unmitigated disaster this isn't that bad it's just not good it's a shame because wonder woman is a good character but to be perfectly honest i think that the other movie is overrated and this one i feel is lesser than the first one well i agree with you that the first is overrated i i think if you look at it as an isolated it was a fun christmas release you know like it was good in that regard, and I like that I got to watch from home. I yeah. think that severely sways my uh, mood towards it. That did make it easier, not having to uh, trek out to the theaters and risk COVID and do all of that. I'm curious, like, we don't know the metrics of this yet, since it is just a day afterward. So, I don't know how many people have downloaded that, or well, I guess you don't say downloaded, technically streamed. Anybody who's streamed that, if they did, if they watched it predominantly on Christmas, or if they, or if they're going to be watching it more over the next few days, how many people you saw it in theaters? Thirty first, I think that's important to say. You only have thirty one days to get through this movie before they take it off HBO Max. To the thirty first of December or January. I mean, I didn't mean until the thirty first. You have thirty one days from Christmas to watch the movie. Uh, Huh. I did not know that of me originally. I thought yeah. it was going to be just a free deal. Yeah, I thought that that was the case too. I wonder if that's how they're going to judge things based off of like whether or not people will go to the movies after it's not there anymore. Or maybe that's some sort of a deal with the theaters. I don't know. But I got a feeling most people probably would have signed up for HBO Max and just done it that way. Just because it's it's safer, it's easier, there you're at home. I don't know anybody that's seen it in theaters. Everybody that I've talked to has watched it through HBO Max. So So you love the theater. You love going. You love that experience. Did you enjoy this experience? Did it make you feel like I could get used to this? Mm, no. Not the same. Like, I have no problem whatsoever watching movies at home. And some movies I like watching at home better. You know, like, um, I'm the type of guy that, like, I won't talk in a movie theater. 
But if I'm at home, I'm going to make jokes while I'm watching a movie. Right. I'm just sitting on the couch, you know, I'll make a quip and try to make Caroline laugh or something. Or be like, oh, do you want to get something to eat real quick? Like one of those kind of things. I'm not going to do that in the theaters and just be like, oh, by the way, remember we need to pick up milk. Like, you know, just kind of, no, not happening. Unless it's something that I really feel like I've got a damn good joke, then I'll just whisper it really quickly. But that's rare that uh, that I risk that because I don't want to piss anybody off. But like, that's good for certain movies where you don't have to really be fully invested into it. Like kind of more like, uh, this movie's going to suck, but we can make fun of it kind of things. Like New Mutants. There was no problem whatsoever for me to be like, wow, this is really bad. That's a terrible shot, whatever. And I was doing that with this, but I felt like I shouldn't, you know? This like is this is meant to be on the big screen, and it it didn't feel right. I'll give you that. I I think I enjoyed the comfort of it. I enjoyed the, you know, I sat down. I I had like an hour break between watching Soul and watching this. Two very different movies, by the way. That um, was a uh, Soul. I didn't check it out. Very good. Worth it's, a watch definitely worth a watch very existential i can't see i can't really describe this because in soul there's no antagonist really like it's it's a different kind of movie there's really kind of no antagonist in this movie either if you think about it if you go into that like everybody has their reasons for everything right and like hey maybe you know not every bad guy is a bad guy but i don't think that's what they wanted you to feel they wanted you to feel certain things in this movie, and they really uh, harped on it a lot. So, uh, what we're gonna do here, we're we're gonna treat this as if you've seen the movie. Like we're gonna spoil things. So, if you don't want to know what happens in the movie, by all means, come back and check this out afterward. Uh, but if you don't care about what the spoiler side of things are, then by all means, continue, and you know, then you've been warned. But we are gonna just talk sporadically about some different plot elements and everything. It's not going to be a spoiler-free type of review. So um, here's something that at the very beginning of this that I was saying, well, because I was watching this with uh, with Caroline at the same time, very early on, very beginning of the movie, might have been like three minutes into the movie or whatever it was, um, I was like, I wonder what the theme is. And she's like, well, what? And I'm like, it's been like three minutes and the movie's already said truth is truth and truth is the only truth that truth can truth and whatever. And I'm like, all right, truth. I get it. But, uh, but also not because little Diana is literally going, no, I would have won, but you, nope, you lost. And that's the truth, but I would have won. Nope. You just weren't ready. And that's okay. It's like, I get it, but I don't think they did a good job in hammering home the actual truth. It was that... sort of like, hey, you... It was more about the, hey, it's okay to not be ready for things than it was about, like, genuine truth. Yeah, I feel like that opening was a total botch. Because they, they're showing this idea of... Diana is a little girl competing with all the other Amazons in, like, their Olympics, I guess? Sort of some kind yeah. of like Olympic games, which I was like, what, what the hell are they even doing here? Why is she running up the side of the whatever? And it took me a couple seconds to realize like, oh, OK, it's alternate paths and, you know, whatever. But um, the story that I got out of that, if they were going for like this fable, you know, what's the lesson that you're learning? It's don't cheat rather than anything that deals with the end of the movie from the way that it is, which is I mean, you can stretch it and say wishing that you have the things that you don't have is a method of cheating but it's like some of the things that these people were wishing in the movie it wasn't a matter of them being lazy or whatever it was them being like i'm fucking destitute and poor and i wish i wasn't and then it's like if the message is basically like oh that's cheating if you got a free wish that's awful <laughs> you know <laughs> that's not the it truth was, you poor like, bastard but like, yeah. clearly it's very clearly be careful what you wish for and sometimes you're not ready for the things that you think you're ready for. But I think, again, the beginning of the movie 
trying to get through the whole truth thing. To me, it was more so saying the truth doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the outcome and whether or not you're ready for the circumstances of the outcome. Yeah, I didn't get any kind of idea that she learned a lesson in that intro that led to the end where she was telling people to renounce it. I kind of think that like that opening scene could have been cut. Yeah, it would have been same movie. I do want to shout out real quick. I don't remember the actress's name, but she's 13 and she's from Scotland. And outside of the movie, she doesn't have an atrocious accent. And if you want more on that, that's just a fun little smart out moment crossover. <laughs> but I will say this little girl has uh, she can speak very well. A cute little girl. And um, looks just like her, too. The opening scene also has Hippolyta and Antiope. And it's crazy how Robin Wright ages. Like. Gracefully. Yeah. Like, good on her. You know, she looks badass all the time now. It's it's crazy. So Agreed. good job on Robin Wright. There's a, you know, if we're going hits and misses, Robin Wright, major hit. I didn't mean that in the crass way. You know what I mean? <laughs> Although. <yeah. laughs> but, <laughs> so the movie takes us into 1984. And here's one of my major criticisms about this movie. There is absolutely no reason that this is 1984 other than wouldn't it be great if it was 1980s? There, There's no reason except for the fact that right now and arguably for like the last five years, but we're in the peak right now where it's about to start going downhill, where 80s aesthetic and nostalgia, super hot, super in. Everything is like, it's cool to be that way. And that's why the movie takes place in 1984. Yeah, I don't like when movies do that for no reason other than just wouldn't it be fun? Because that's what the X-Men movies do. Or they did. Thankfully, they probably won't do that anymore. But they I just decided, like... like, I get going back in the past and showing young Xavier and young Eric. And then you do it in the past. Okay, sure. You, you're leading up 30 years beforehand before you get to the 2000 movie. Fine. But then when another, the, sec, the sequel film for that is 10 years later and nobody's aged a day. And then it's 10 years later after that and nobody's aged a day. And you're, you're just doing it because you wanted to do a 60s, a 70s, an 80s, and a 90s movie. And that's just dumb. So, like, there was a lot of stuff in this movie that was 80s based that in a different movie I could see there being value to. But not even a whole lot of that to begin with. And then when you incorporate that into the Wonder Woman stuff, to me, I'm like, well, this is two different scripts almost. Yeah, I you know what? That's a very good way of putting it, because there's elements of this where I'm just sort of I, I tried to compare it to you off air, like the 2002 Spider-Man, like how nobody really knew for for the for the lot of people who didn't know like superhero lore and it was just I know the basis of Spider-Man. Let's go watch a fun blockbuster film and it's great for its time and like that movie for a while dictated how people thought, you know, the Green Goblin was like the number one Spider-Man villain. And if you just isolate that movie, it's good it's a good movie, but there's better interpretations of Spider-Man. That is how I feel about this Wonder Woman film. Like if you just isolate this as a fun superhero film, sure. Right. I I can totally get down with that. But following like lore and actually being a good Wonder Woman movie, not so much. Yeah, I feel like we're missing out on some elements of Wonder Woman. They did some of them that they missed out on the first movie and they're still missing out on some of them. I don't quite get like uh, like this is kind of hard to say because I'm sure a lot of people are going to fully disagree with me on this. So I don't know exactly how I should word it. That's not going to draw the same criticism. Um, Wonder Woman to me is a campy character that shouldn't be campy, but the fact that it used to be campy, I think people are stuck that it needs to be. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. It's funny that you say that. Cause I was thinking about the Linda Carter Wonder Woman while watching this and thinking 
imagine if Batman never left the Adam West realm and yeah. I can't. Yeah, because some people love the Adam West Batman and that's their Batman. And to me, that's like an Elseworlds type of thing. It's it's not Batman. You know? And they did do that in the comics. They did have, you know... There's, Batman 66 or whatever. There's Joker being like, oh, what a fabulous boner I just played on you and different things like that. Like... <laughs> That's that's the way that like language used to be, and you know when they had the comics code authority, they had to tone things down and whatever. And uh, you know Riddler is setting up traps with like a giant mouse trap and crap. But Wonder Woman to me is the type of character when you start getting into the the camp of it, it loses its value a lot because the character can be so cool. And my favorite Wonder Woman is the Wonder Woman that's like. She's kind of like from the Justice League uh, animated, oh, the, the Bruce, the Bruce Timm yeah. one, where she's kind of a little bit of a bitch. Like, she's not like as brooding and dark as Batman is, but she's going to be more of like the combination of Superman and Batman. Like, Soups is very much, let's just hope that everybody's okay and let's give that another person another chance. And thank you, Mr. President. Yes, I'd love an apple pie. And I don't know why the president's giving him a pie. I don't know where this analogy went with that. Uh, But then Batman's more like, I don't trust a goddamn person. And, well, you should have just stuck to the mission and whatever. And to me, Diana is, I want to try to be positive and all that, but I'm also a warrior and I understand I'm going to have to kill people sometimes and some different things like that. So when you get into making a Wonder Woman movie where there are a couple shades away from having Wonder Woman kind of stuff. Then in like, mm, I'm not digging the camp in this. You know, First that's... of all, I, I want to just get this out of the way. Apple pie came in your mind because I'm guessing you thought Superman is as American as apple pie. So you said president and apple pie. You know what I'm thinking of? Uh, Young Justice, where <laughs> um, Superman and Batman are eating at a diner. Did you ever see that? I did not. So they're at a diner meeting um, up and they're talking about uh, Superboy and uh, Bruce is so they're in like civilian gear and Bruce is like, well, you got to talk to the kid whatever. He's your kid. And uh, Clark's like, he's not my kid. He's my clone. Like, it's a different story and whatever like that. And the person, the waitress comes over and she's like, you know, what would I like? Uh, what do I get you guys? And Clark orders uh, the apple pie. And Bruce shuts his menu. He's like, devil's food. <laughs> I, love that. I loved that little moment so much. That's, that must have been what was on my mind about that. But that's the perfect moment to explain why they're so different. Right. Of course, Batman gets the devil's food cake and uh, good old Kansas farm boy gets the apple pie. You know. And to be fair, I've hated all the interpretations of the DC heroes this time around except for probably aquaman who probably got upgraded with the uh jason momoa interpretation but this this just felt like cheese for the sake of cheese and i i don't think it's necessary if done well it's done that's self-explanatory if done well it's done well uh, I liked, for instance, in the first movie when she's switched over to America or uh, London and um, she's doing the whole like, well, we got to get her some clothes. And she's like, you know, what do you mean uh, people wear corsets to hide their uh, stomachs? Why would anybody do that? And then Etta is like, well, nobody with uh, a stomach problem would ever say that, you know, like. Or when she gets the ice cream and she's like, what is this? And whatever. And she gets the ice cream and she's like, this is wonderful. You should be so proud to the guy who made the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> like that type of campiness, I really do like. But when you get into stuff like with Wonder Woman 1984, where like I hated the fact that. There's a two minute literal like the only thing that was missing was I'm walking on sunshine with the uh, dressing montage. You know, they spent more time on Steve Trevor's clothes than they did on him reacting to the fact that he was alive again. Yeah. He basically is just sort of like, 
So I woke up and I was in this guy's body and it's 1984 and I figured, where's Diana? And then I followed you around like a creep. And uh, yeah, I used a phone book and I'm going to keep going back to this one because it stuck with me. I used a phone book. Some things are future proof. Wink. Like, yeah. And then, and then, then, like, pretty much the next scene, he's just like, all right, I'm up to speed. And then they just go along with the whole thing. It's like, if you're going to do that, he could have done that at any era. It could have been that this took place in 2020. And it didn't need to be anything else. I mean, he could have had the same reactions of like, oh my God, this is what a phone looks like now and whatever. And they still could have had the same sort of gags. Now, it was funny, for instance, when he's on the escalator and he's just like amazed. Like some moments like that. I do genuinely like it's not like I'm like, oh, no humor in the movie. No, you need some humor. But they just brushed that along. It was just sort of like, all right, Steve's back and he's in this guy's face uh, in this guy's body. But she looks at him that way. And they'll can we just move on and have them be the way that they are? OK, move on. And then focus I'm more on, on, like, on really what he's wearing. Like yeah. So <laughs> like really what it should have been. Uh, yeah. Like for me they just wanted it almost feels like this movie was meant to be released on a streaming platform like it's a great little movie but i don't know if it fits a blockbuster release i think it would be a little bit more disappointing in the theaters too yeah yeah walking out of that and go oh, i paid 19 bucks for that <laughs> whereas in this case you're paying like i forget what does what who but HBO. It's so max. Thank you. I have so many of them. Like ten bucks, something like that. It's maybe uh, somewhere around that range. Fifteen at most, and like you have all this other content, and then you can just throw on Wonder Woman 1984. I I think at the end of the day, the streaming platform helps this movie because you're less bothered by the quality of it. Yeah, I agree. I think that I'd be more down on this if it if it was the other way around. And I do still have a lot of things that I'm down on. Again, I have things that I'm positive about too. So by all means, leave your comments below. Give your hits and your misses. But here's a thing that I was just like, ah, oh, damn, they're doing this. Which is, I'm not a big fan of Kristen Wiig when she's playing. I'll, I'll specify it this way. Any comedian, when they get into a rut, tends to suck. Like Will Ferrell was a lot funnier before everybody knew him as Will Ferrell and he was just Will Ferrell. Lewis Black was so much funnier before he was the guy that yells. I'll give you maybe the best example of this. Adam Sandler Hmm. is fucking great before he's, as you like to do that. It's just on Adam Sandler. It's like, I like, I understand what you mean completely. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan, you watch some of his old specials. Fantastic. You watch some of his specials after he got famous with the Hot Pocket thing. It just becomes every joke is Hot Pocket. Oh, I don't like that. That guy said the Hot Pocket thing. Okay. You you do the two voices. All right. I've seen it, you know? So when Kristen Wiig is all like, I'm Kristen Wiig. I'm like, ah, shut up. (laughs) Like, you know? I don't dig that at all. <laughs> so I'm very glad that she was not like that in this movie because I was nervous that that was going to be the case and she was going to be like, oh, I'm going to party. Oh, oh, oh. But at the same time, they still couldn't help doing the cliche of she's the nerd and she's got glasses. And at some point she's going to realize that she doesn't even need the glasses anymore because now she's gotten hot and she can wear the outfits that fit better because she's had this body this entire time, but she's just worn these baggy clothes because she doesn't understand that if she just had something tighter, then men would pay attention to her. And it's like, oh, come on. Like, right. Like, so she, she wishes that she could be Gal Gadot. And what happens is she takes her skirt off and her life's better. I'm like, oh, come on, man. (laughs) Genuinely for five seconds, I thought she wanted to, Fuck Diana. Oh, I, I made so many jokes about that. I'm like, <laughs> oh my I, God, she, she wants Diana. And later on, they're going to have a fight and it's going to turn into something else. You know, like. Yeah, I thought that for 
a good chunk of the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then and then she goes, I want to be like her because she's pretty. And then it's almost worse because she gets like seduced by the grade A jackass that shouldn't be able to seduce anything. Yeah, and I got that same vibe that she was going to be in love with Diana. and Probably would have been better. I think it might have been, yeah. Like, she could have maybe been jealous of Steve and been like... See, I don't know. I don't think that uh, Cheetah works well paired up with Maxwell Lord. And for that matter, Maxwell Lord in this? You really give me much of a Maxwell Lord vibe. And... um I haven't, you know, read thousands and thousands of comics or whatever. So there's people that are far better authorities on this than I am. But Maxwell Lord, to me, is like a financier of the Justice League who turns evil or something. Where the main thing I know Maxwell Lord from is the whole OMAC and Brother Eye. And he shoots Ted Cord in the fucking head. And then he gets his neck snapped because he's uh, mind-controlling Superman. So I told Caroline about that. I'm like... Uh, I'm I'm not anticipating that at any point in this movie, Wonder Woman's going to snap his neck. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that's the last vibe I got for right. anything going on here. Really, it just this could have been a movie without uh, superheroes in a way. It's just sort of a movie about I want to be pretty, and, and I'm a fake rich guy who's trying to be successful even though I'm a fraud and then the baby face for lack of a better term is just like hey you should stop because you don't understand that you're being reckless with your power and you don't need this you're beautiful the way you are it's like you don't need superheroes for this yeah and it's not the type of thing that I also get that feeling afterward that everybody's learned their lesson and things are going to be okay because uh, Barbara Minerva goes back to being Barbara. And maybe she's got some more confidence now and whatever. But it's also a magical talisman that did these things. So who's to say anybody pays any attention to her anymore? And she goes back to that and she's just nobody's uh, giving her the light of day and people are forgetting that they've met her before or whatever. She's going to snap and go crazy because she's going to be like, well, now I know that it's literally me. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. fix this. I need a magic thing to be able to fix it. That sucks. Which is, which is ridiculous, because as cheesy as it is, the lesson should have been, hey, you don't need this magical talisman. You you've got, you've had it in you this whole time. And then show some kind of a scene afterward where, like, she's working on the project and people are paying attention to her because now she has the confidence to do it or whatever. Nope. Instead, she's just like, man, it sucks I'm not a cheetah anymore. <laughs> like, yeah and that was a jump too where she goes from i wish that i could be like diana and then all of a sudden she's a fucking full-blown heel like, yeah then she's you, oh I'm, you don't I'm, want me to be you don't want to uh, you want to stand in the way of maxwell lord well i'm apparently totally in love with maxwell lord at this point so now i'm evil and in a few hours i'm gonna wish that i'm an apex predator and turn myself into an animal huh i'll be honest i re I rewound the film several times got going, did I miss where she goes full heel? Because she kept... It was out of nowhere. Like, one minute, she's, like, perfectly fine. She's, like you said, she took the glasses off because she's like, oh, I guess my eyesight's fixed, and she's putting it together. And then all of a sudden, she's running, and everybody's hitting on her because the basic... The launching point here is that She's tired of being, um, like not uh, graciously approached by men, but you know people are trying to come up and be abusive. Right. So then all of a sudden she's just like, "I hate this guard who's like, can I get you coffee or tea or me? And now I'm gonna go running and everybody's <laughs> hitting on me. And oh, there's that one guy that tried to rape me. I'm gonna fucking punt him." Until I get tired of this. And oh, now I'm a bad guy. Now, you know what's even weird about that, too? That's supposed to be a scene where you're like, oh, wow, she's taking it too far. And I'm sitting there going, I'm like, fucking yes. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, fuck him up. (laughs) 
fuck yeah, you punt him in the head a few times. Yeah, this dude's terrible. Kick the shit out of him. You Good know. job, Barbara. Like, yeah, that's it's like that's my problem. And it's like you said, there's almost no antagonist in this film because even Maxwell's sort of just like, I want my son to be proud of me. And you got to have him have the couple of I'll say right now, my least favorite part of the movie probably was the little kid. Oh, yeah, he sucked because that it was contrived as all hell. Like he does the the typical thing that you would see in like a soap opera where he's like, oh, great, I've got my kid, which makes you think that you're not really like I don't really like having my kid or whatever. Ha ha ha. But he's also the most important person in the world to me. Yet, if he's in the other room, I'm going to go, damn it, I don't want to be around the, my fucking kid. It's just, it's the type of crap where people, like, you see in, like, romantic comedies a lot, where somebody will walk up to a door ready to knock on it to tell somebody that they love them, and they'll overhear on the other side of the door somebody say, like, oh, I love you too, and they're like, oh, they actually love somebody else, I'm going to run away, and it's like, oh, I was just talking to my grandma, like, that kind of, you know, it's just, it can drive yeah. tension, and... The little kid doesn't need to overhear his dad do that and then to tell his dad, oh, it's okay, I love you anyway, or whatever. And like, you know, Maxwell Lord should have been a villain. And he should have died. You know, like... And not like a cheesy, I'm a TV salesman, and we're kind of going to talk about, you know, how televangelists used to sell people things. And it's just... I'm a con man, but don't you fucking call me a con man. Now I know I can be the stone. I, like, I felt disjointed watching this movie. And there's moments of happiness that's like, Steve is fun. Yeah, Steve, um, when they figure out the invisible jet, and they're just like, yeah, we did it. And he's just explaining why flying is special to him and how he figures it out so naturally. Very good. Like I said, good movie. I kind of think it was made for TV or streaming in this case. The Invisible Jet was another thing, though. I thought that they didn't really try too hard on. Like, I'm glad that they put the Invisible Jet in there. But the way that they wrote it off was, oh, by the way, she's also tried to figure this out over the years and she already figured it out. Instead of like setting something up about it, like they set up this armor thing midway through the movie, maybe even not midway through, it might have been three quarters of the way through the movie, and that that's supposed to be a big thing that pays off, but it really doesn't because all you have is one shot at the beginning of the movie of the armor, and then later, you know, three quarters of the way through the movie, it's like, oh, she was like a great warrior, and now I'm gonna put on her armor, but then when I start fighting Cheetah. I'm going to take the wings off. Okay. Like, uh, that type of stuff. I think that that's just fundamentally bad scripting and not necessarily bad ideas. It's just, you didn't set it up enough. Like maybe they could have had something where, uh, I'm trying to do this on the fly. So, uh, forgive me if these ideas aren't the best thing in the world, but maybe the beginning of the movie sets up something instead of Diana being competitive and trying to cheat and them saying that's not the truth and you would have not deserved that win. Maybe it's something more along the idea of her having to give up something that she uh, cares about where she's learned the lesson of what's better for everybody else is not necessarily what's better for me. And that's what she has to think back on. And maybe in that, you can tie in the idea of her training to do the invisible stuff. So that way you've implied she's trained all these years about it. Instead of her just saying, yeah, I've been trying to do this for 50 years and I did it once. I did like the joke, though, that she did it once with a mug and then she lost it. I thought that that was cute. Yeah, I think. Even with. Diana here it seems like she's not as strong as I would like her to be she doesn't feel like Wonder Woman here maybe that's just me I don't know but like I would expect more I think like almost less emotion from her she's very like but I but I want you to stay and I'm like 
no, I give everything for everybody. Like that could have been a better moment, but it just sort of seemed like, no, I want the, how do I put this? I know that sometimes we harp on certain things being progressive for the sake of it, but this was almost the opposite of that, where I kind of felt like maybe the bad females shouldn't have just fallen in love with Maxwell Lord because it was the easy way out. It felt very much like a cheap 1984 trope, and maybe that's why they did it. But it, the way that Diana was with Steve, and I know that she like obviously loved him, but it almost seemed lacking in strength for Wonder Woman to be so like, no, I have to figure out another way to do this because like, I'm not going to lose you even though you're not you and you're in somebody else's body though we breeze right past that to have a clothing montage <laughs> you know it's see i wasn't uh, upset about that i didn't think that that was an issue her yeah. having vulnerability and being like oh, this is the only thing that really i've ever wanted to ask for and and that i didn't mind that my it issue was more like along the lines of she brings Steve back unknowingly and Steve's just sort of like, Hey, I'm here. And also I'm dumb now. Kind of it will, to a certain extent. Like he was, he was a lot less intelligent than he was in the first movie. Uh, yeah. You know, some dim witted stuff in the first movie. Don't, you know, uh, they have to downplay that of course. But, um, then it just becomes like at the end of the movie, she learns this lesson that, you know what? Maybe I will try to move on and try to love again. And it's the guy, and the guy that he was inhabiting the body of is typical Hallmark type of guy. He is late 30s, tall, dark, and handsome. He's wearing an outfit that it's like he's not threatening. He talks about, oh, isn't this like snow really beautiful? I guess I'm just charming and handsome and sensitive all right, I'll see you later. And I'm th sitting there thinking she's watching him fucking go away. You, I would think that the way to wrap that up would be for her to say, like, do you want to get a cup of coffee or something where it's like, okay, she's moving on instead of her being like, oh yeah, that guy, I ah, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> but maybe it's, maybe that's better. Cause I wouldn't have wanted that to be, like, oh, I'm inhabiting this guy's body, and this is the one you're going to end up moving on with anyway. And it just, like I said, for me, that's a bit of a miss because I feel like Diana should be a little more, a little less cliche protagonist in a romantic comedy in a way. Like, that's, like you said, it's the cheesy hallmark. Well, I'm the nice guy, and... You know, I'm so sensitive. Look at the snowfall. I just expect a little bit more out of my Wonder Woman, I guess. Here's also an issue uh, as far as continuity goes. So this is 1984, and she learns the lesson that she should try to love again. And she also learns how to fly. And then come Batman v Superman and Justice League, she can't fly anymore. And she is still just saying, well, you know, Steve Trevor was like 100 years ago, and I miss him, and I've never loved anybody ever since. So, you know, 40 years goes by or, you know, uh, 30 years goes by and she reverts back to before she was at the end of this movie. I think you're uh, you're putting too much logic in there. <laughs> I know that Patty Jenkins has said that she doesn't treat this as like that she would have to adhere to Justice League and everything. But that's the type of crap that annoys me because it's like, well, you're making an interconnected universe, but you don't want to have to do the work. Yeah, and I think the name is stupid. And the more I look at it, the more I'm like, name's kind of stupid. Logo is dumb. You know, because it, it, it's literally just, well, it's 84. You couldn't think of anything else to call this movie. It's 1984 because you wanted it to be the 80s. Yeah. Um, but fun fact, this movie, in movie, takes place around the summer of uh, 84. Do you know what the top song was in July of 1984? Hmm. Uh, Died in Your Arms by Cutting Crew. 
It is not. It is when Doves Cry by Prince. <laughs> it should have been. I don't even know when that came out. <laughs> it probably didn't even come out that yet. Alexa, when did uh, Cutting Crew make the song Died in Your Arms Tonight? July 25th, 1986. 86, damn. 86, ah, right. Just a little bit off. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I know I'm very much circling around the same point it's just for me that's what stuck it just this movie i had a hard time keeping my attention and maybe that's arguably because you're watching home home, you know yeah but but also like soul didn't have a hard time keeping my attention (laughs) because it was a very strong narrative and it was a like there was a connection there with this film i really felt like Oh, isn't this nice? It's like it's it's like a spin-off of Wonder Woman before we get to the actual next blockbuster Wonder Woman film. Like it seems like a stopgap, you know? And like I agree with you that the first one is a little overrated, but the first one is so much better than this. Yeah, it is. I mean just as far as even like tone. Because there's so much in this movie on the campy side of things where the dialogue that they've written where people are just beating things over the top of your head like they didn't want to do another pass to make it a little bit more refined characters like the little kid being like i forget the lines exactly but it doesn't even matter if i forgot the lines because these are practically what they say like the little kid's basically like it's okay that you're a loser daddy but i don't love you anyway because stronger ties are with family bonds than with money like you might as well just have the kids say that because that's what it is. Everywhere you look, right? Everywhere. Now let now let's go get some ice cream, dude. That kind of thing, and like the again, Barbara being, oh yeah, frumpy old me, I'm whatever, and like, uh, yeah, that part of not another team movie where they're like, oh, Janie Briggs, she can never be prom queen. Look, she's got glasses and a ponytail and paint on her over uh, over uh, overalls. I was gonna say overcoat. Uh, and like, then, and then of course she uh, takes the glasses off, and it's like, wow, she's gorgeous, you know. And it's and like the opening chord of a uh, uh, not oops, I did it again. Uh, hit me, baby, one more time. That piano at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because she's actually super hot. Whoa. Now I don't think that Kristen Wiig's the type that you're gonna look at and be like, oh wow, this is this bombshell ten out of ten actress in Hollywood type of thing. Like they obviously didn't cast for that type of a role, but. I thought that it was like, here's a moment that I did like in that kind of regard. I thought it was funny that like she goes through putting on this dress and she's feeling real hot and sexy because the woman at the store is complimenting her, which I, I got to assume that this is one of those things where they added that in there because it's like, what would be the highest compliment? And it would be another person, another woman in the store is telling you that you're good looking rather than her Some feeling guy. confident in herself or, you know, validation through a guy or something. But it's like, you know, the woman at the store is even like jealous, you know, that kind of thing. But they come from that. It's like, you know, uh, wow, that's looking great on you. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And they cut to a shot of Gal Gadot getting out of the car. And she's like all like in this basically draped in like a sheet looking stunning and Carolina is like just laughing. She's just like, oh, give me a fucking break. Like, this woman's gorgeous. And that stark contrast to that was really funny. I liked that quite a bit. Gal Gadot is genuinely stunning. Like, old, almost old school Hollywood, like, yeah. glamorous. Very pretty. Yeah, so like, they got that down really well. I thought that that was funny. But man, they really botch it with some other stuff. Like when she turns heel and she's just like, oh, I'm a bad guy now. So now I'm going to start wearing eyeliner that darkens my eyes. I wonder if they would at least use it as an excuse of. Yeah, I like it's the 80s and it's super cheese. So we're going to not even try and give you super cheese. And it, it didn't need to be the 80s. That's the thing. There's nothing at all in this movie that indicates that it has to happen in the 80s. You could take the exact same plot, take it in 2015, and it works perfectly fine. Because the plot yep. is just frumpy, even though she's not frumpy, frumpy, dork, anthropologist, or whatever she had classified herself as, 
uh, is feeling down on herself. She hero worships Diana. Steve comes back because they wished on a magical talisman. Poor businessman wants to have more control. There's no like, well, they had to use the Cold War for any of that stuff because the, oh God, the Reagan thing, that dude did not look like Reagan. Yeah. And honestly, it's, it's a very cheesy movie that just simply says, be careful what you wish for. And we, we jump through hoops to tell this age old story. I, I guess they really, somebody must've been watching old school church people who are just like, now, if you just listen to me and, you know, if you send in a dollar, one day you'll have $2 and you'll know that you were blessed. Like, and that's essentially what he was from the beginning. He was a oil tycoon that didn't actually have any oil. And it just was, hey, you know how people used to get sucked into those bad TV ads? Imagine that, but with magic. It's like, <laughs> and you could still do it now. I mean, he could have a social media following. Yeah. And people still buy into all these types of things. You, how many things do you see on Facebook where people are like, I'm selling hand cream and whatever. And it's like, all right, pyramid scheme. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, no, but then they wouldn't have had the cool little wooden TVs that you and I were looking at the other night on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the line too, where he's like, you know, I got an in at Sears or whatever. I can oh, get I you a 19 inch TV. TV. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I've been having issues with a 24 inch uh, computer monitor, but like, yeah. Know, and I'm staring at two 27 inches. Like, yeah, yeah I got a 42 inch uh, 4K TV on my side, <laughs> kind of, you know. But, Sorry, it's, no, but phone books are future proof. <laughs> Wink. I liked the bit about, um, at the museum and he's looking at the trash can she's just like that's the trash can. he's oh it's okay it's just a trash can like <laughs> i like that yeah not, some, not everything is a future advancement there's some good stuff here and there like that and those little tiny moments you can do the same joke and do it in a different time frame because it is just him reacting to oh wow i'm not used to this like and again i think that marvel does it better i think that for instance when uh cap in uh avengers is like oh i understood that reference because it's wizard of oz <laughs> like that's a good moment because there's a subtlety to that where some people don't get the joke and i've seen people go like what do you mean he gets that reference and it's like because it's the flying monkeys and the wizard of oz oh okay so that would have happened around that time oh, okay yeah you know but like that type of stuff i think is better and i did like those moments here and there throughout the movie but i just could not get into how many times do we had to see somebody run in weird CGI or uh, yeah, there were, I think four times where you were tracking a bullet just to be like, look at how fast she is. Cause bullets are slow. Like, well, she's not the flash. So she really shouldn't be that fast. <laughs> and I don't know. Overall, I just feel like we won't remember this movie in two years. No, this is going to be one of those movies that just kind of, oh yeah, I think I saw that. That's the one where, uh, they were in the eighties. Yeah. The eighties. And if you're like, name me the principal antagonists, people would be like, there was the guy and the The guy on TV and the chick with the, the cat. They didn't even set up the cheetah thing too. That's another thing is like, she was just, she was just, that was it. The biggest, closest thing that they did was she looks at the cheetah print stuff that Gal's uh, or uh, Diana's wearing, and she's like, "Ooh, I like that." But like, you couldn't have her say something like, "Um, I don't know, maybe uh, here booking it on the fly, booking it using wrestling terms here." Um, we we keep using wrestling terms, right? So people like turning that. heel and you know botch and all that. So we're gonna book this on the fly. Uh, Give her another antiquity kind of set set up where like they're looking at things and she's like, here's another thing. This is an ancient carving or whatever of a cheetah. 
they revered these animals as these apex predators and aren't they just beautiful creatures don't you just admire how great they are or whatever god i wish that i had that kind of power that i could just be something that people worship or so, even a line like that then later on you go oh okay so she wants to become a cheetah because she she fucking likes them instead of just right. like i like the cheetah print shoes you got on or whatever and this cheetah print jacket with some studs because it's the 80s did i tell you it's the 80s yeah (laughs) (laughs) and here's another thing this movie's two and a half hours long yeah i feel like so much of it is rushed it's rushed and some of it could have been cut out too like the oil could have been cut out for a lot more explanation in the home stretch of this film the opening could have cut out the whole section in egypt really didn't amount to too much because he goes over to Egypt to get oil and there isn't oil. So he leaves. And and it's just, again, I don't think the kid needed to be there. Yeah. It would would have been fine with him just being a bad guy. And then the guy, bad guy gets his comeuppance. Like there can be villains. And I like shades of gray. I think this was too much. Because again, I don't feel bad that Barb fucked up the guy who wanted to rape her twice. Yeah. I don't. He's the, he's the biggest villain out of the whole movie. Yeah. He deserved everything. He got yeah. It. But like, I do kind of go that. Because at the end of the day, it can be argued that Max is just this guy who wants people to have whatever they wish for. And like, the the whole story, though, is, well, there are consequences in life, people, and be careful what you think you're wishing for because, like, that one who wanted to be famous and was instantly overwhelmed. Right. You know, like, there was no build there. It was just, I want to be famous. Here you go. Oh, fuck. It's like a genie. It's like a whole movie about dealing with a genie and going up. Didn't tell you there were consequences. And, you know, that would land so much better if Diana had to learn that. But she doesn't because she's not wishing for something that's selfish. At least from my perspective, like in my mind, her being like, because she didn't really like she didn't grab the thing and wish and be like, I wish that, you know, whatever I would sacrifice everybody else in this planet to bring Steve back or something. She's just kind of like, man, I wish that my boyfriend didn't die. And it's like, here you go. He's back. That's amazing. And she has to learn that she doesn't, she shouldn't fucking miss him. Like, that's, that's kind of shitty. It's not even like a time travel thing where it's like, you can't fuck with the past. Yeah. Oh, you got to sacrifice the future of everybody else. You can't go back and save Steve because it's not the most important thing is what you would want rather than everybody else. It's like, no, everything was fine until everybody else started wishing. And, and even that, her wishing, really... renouncing her wish didn't change a damn thing for this. Everybody else had to. So it's almost like if they could just say everybody else uh, renounces their wishes and then she could go, yeah, but can you keep Steve? And then it would be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and again, Barb wishing to be stunning like Diana and be, you know, confident and strong isn't inherently a bad thing. Yeah. You're allowed to want to improve your life. <laughs> and the fact that they try to make it bad by saying, well, this beauty instantly went to her head. You did it the wrong way. Again, you had her beat up a, vi- a legitimate villain. And we're supposed to feel like, oh, well, this this girl's crazy. You know, what, what is she doing? Here's a good little twist that I just thought of uh, as you said that so 10 seconds ago. That I think makes the whole thing, not the whole movie better, but I think that it makes the that point better. Barbara shouldn't have beaten up that guy. She should have done something to the good homeless guy. Right. Like, maybe she beats up the, the other guy and, um, you know, the, the rapey guy. And then the other guy comes up and instead of being like, Barbara, what are you doing? Maybe she goes like, Oh, get the fuck away from me. Like, you're always taking the food that I give you. You're always taking advantage of me, whatever. And she hurts him. So that way you can be like, oh, wow, she's even hurting the people that don't do anything. 
for the, uh, anything wrong. You know, that guy's just sort of like, hey, this isn't like, this isn't like and you, again, you shouldn't, whatever. In the context of this film, why is she a cheetah? Yeah. None of, nothing is explained, but they really just wanted to go, isn't it cool that we made another Wonder Woman movie? We got Cheetah in there. Everybody knows Cheetah, that kind of thing. I think maybe another thing would have worked on here. I think that this should have been Cersei. Yeah, that that might have even landed better. And maybe it would have been easier to tell this kind of a story. Yeah, like Cersei is a manipulator. Uh, She has magical powers that could do different things like that. Like maybe she should have been more in not really like the Maxwell Lord role, but in some capacity like that. And maybe Barbara should have been a little bit more into the Maxwell Lord thing. Like maybe Barbara and Maxwell should have been combined and also split differently. You know what I mean? Right. Cersei should have been the main villain. And Barbara, if they wanted to make her cheetah and they wanted to do that whole kind of thing, maybe Cersei could have been the one that gives her that power. And it's like, I want you to go after Diana because I'll give you the strength to do what I can't do or what I don't want to do because I'm Cersei and I don't want to get off my ass and fight. That kind of a thing. I think that they could have gone in a couple different directions like that. And instead they went with the story of poor out of his luck business guy is going to make an enemy out of himself from the entire world. Nobody's going to hire this dude. Everybody knows that he's a part of this big, massive, whatever that nobody refers to, by the way, too. You know, again, that maybe Superman, nobody's like, Hey, remember that thing that happened in 1984? <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I don't even know. It's the best way I can describe this movie, which once we go around to like final overall scores, I, I it feels like I'm going to compare it to wrestling because that's just what we do. Imagine watching an episode of Raw where at the start of Raw, it's like, hey, Mustafa Ali just joined Retribution. And now he's going to lead this group of bad guys. And then by 10.55 p.m., he's like, I was wrong. Even though everything I said as to why I joined Retribution was absolutely right. I was just, it was wrong of me to do, and I'm sorry, and I'll go back to the main event now. (laughs) And you, you're probably the only person who understood that. But it's, it's not a cohesive story. So overall, I'd have to give this a thumbs down. I wouldn't... If you're watching this movie because you wanted to see a fun movie, go ahead. If you're going to... This isn't the movie to break quarantine for. No, absolutely not. This ain't it. You know, like, I'm sorry. I know that maybe they thought it would be. This ain't it. And this This is very... Not that good. Very fitting in this year where it's like... It's it's not a good movie. It's not the worst movie in the world. It, there's worse, you know, but it's just one of those. I think I gave it like a two out of five type of yeah. a thing. Like it's it's not some Hercules in New York or Zapped or something like that, but it's not even baseline good to me. It, it has flaws in ways that are just fundamentally. I don't think I'm ever going to want to watch this a second time. I just told you, in two years, we won't remember this movie. My favorite part of the whole movie was actually not even the movie itself. It was two bits of score from two different movies. (laughs) So, when she's learning how to fly, Hans Zimmer totally samples Adagio and D minor from the movie Sunshine. And I love that song. That song is not only in the movie Sunshine, because that's what it's created for. It's John Murphy does the score for that. But John Murphy also used that in Kick-Ass. And that song is amazing. So if anybody um, hasn't seen the movie Sunshine, you don't really need to see it. It's not that great of a movie. But the song itself, uh, Canada's Death Part 2, 
Adagio in D minor. Absolutely amazing song. And I loved that when they were doing the, I didn't really like the whole, everybody has to renounce their wish kind of a thing. I didn't really like that. But I liked that they used the beautiful lie track from Batman v Superman. That was the song that was playing when Bruce was talking about um, like uh, his parents' death. And if I had to say my favorite part of the movie, as much as I don't think it fits, the sheer beautiful shot of like the Amazon and when they're doing the whole Olympics thing, that was to me more of like, oh wow, I wish I was watching this on the big screen. Yeah. Anything other than anything else in this movie, because I'll say it for the third time, maybe more, a lot of this just felt like ah, made for TV or or like it used to be the straight to video. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you know what? It's written as if it's a straight-to-video. That's true. And it totally was not meant to be. This was supposed to come out like two years ago, and they just kept like pushing it away. Or at the very least, it was last year. I forget. It was a a whole bunch of different delays, but not at all meant to be during a pandemic and whatever. This is the... This is the Batman Mr. Freeze (laughs) Sub-Zero. to the actual theatrical release of Mask of the Phantasm. And it shows, like, it's just, it's just not that great. I probably will never watch this movie again. And I'm okay with that. I'm glad I got it for free. Well, I pay for it to a max, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was, thank you for the fun Christmas movie. I will never watch you again. <laughs> thumbs down. Two out of five. I like the way you put it. And those are kind of my thoughts. I'm trying to think of what other superhero movies I would put it on par with. Because every movie in the MCU, I think, is better. Even Thor The Dark World. And... How about... Uh, X? Was it X3 The Last Stand? Ooh, yeah, maybe on par with that. Yeah, like the other ones are so much better, and X three is still fine, but X three feels disjointed. Wonder Woman you know, is better. Maybe I'd put it on par with Green Lantern. I really didn't like that. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, really love it either. That's why. <laughs> yeah, like there were some decent ideas, but the whole thing was just a kind of a mess and problematic. I think that that probably, yeah. Because, like, when I think of, like, the worst superhero movies, I think of, like, the Fantastic Four from 2014. Uh, Yeah. I think of that. I think of the second Ghost Rider movie. Spider-Man 3. I'm Uh, sorry. Spider-Man 3 is even better than those. Don't don't ever watch Spirit of Vengeance. That's just churches. But, like, I guess, like, Daredevil. Kind of no, Daredevil's better than this. The Affleck one. Yeah, Daredevil's better than this. Somewhere around that range. I don't know. Maybe the first Fantastic Four movie with uh, Jessica Alba, or so. It's just it's not up to the caliber of what these movies have been lately. You know, I am unabashedly a fan of seventy-five percent of the ultimate cut of. Batman v Superman. I think that you change a couple things in that movie and it's absolutely brilliant. A couple things that you should change are absolutely terrible, <laughs> but like the predominantly that movie is amazing. And this is like a, a fart in its direction. Yeah. That's a shame. And, uh, then that's really all I can say. Yeah. Go watch soul. Yeah, I might have to uh, watch that. Much better, much better movie. Palette cleanser at the very least. <laughs> but so far, it seems like that's the case. I don't know uh, anybody who's actually really liked this movie. If you did, then that's perfectly fine. I mean, I'm glad that you liked it. You know what? This is a good movie for like a 10 year old who's never seen a superhero movie. Yeah, it's great. A 10 year old girl in particular, so she could have like, that kind feel of inspired. Yeah, you know representation kind of then you get that instant like oh cheetah's the bad guy and wonder woman's the good guy and that's just how it is and you don't need to explain 
Yeah. The, that's who this movie is for. The the tween just getting into super movie superhero movie girl. Which I assume is probably not the audience listening to Family Synonymous. <laughs> but if you are But out if there, you yeah. happen to have a niece or a daughter, right. this is the good movie for that. Yeah. If you if you just want to see a good Wonder Woman movie, maybe we'll review Bloodlines. Because that came out in 2019, and I don't think I've seen it. Mm, where did I where did I rank that on my? I know I've I've seen it actually. Did I you watch Bloodlines? Well, yeah. tell me if I should watch it. Uh, I don't remember really loving it. Damn! Come on, Diana. Yeah, <laughs> Good, let's go. Yeah. So Wonder Woman's never been my favorite character, but I'm always going to be willing to give the character a shot because I do think that she has potential to have better outings than what she's had so far and maybe the next one will end up actually doing it this one didn't not awful in every way there's some positives overall though it's a thumbs down yeah so tell us your thoughts on the movie drop a comment below uh on youtube while you're over there on youtube hit the like button hit the share button hit the subscribe button ring the little notification bell do all that kind of stuff if you want to help us grow. If you also want to help us grow through the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash fanboysanonymous. There's the merchandise shops on TeePublic and Redbubble if you want to pick up some t-shirts or some stickers or mugs or shower curtains or whatever it is. You know, uh, that's all on there. We've talked a couple wrestling things during this, so you probably know us from that more than anything else. But if you don't and you are interested in pro wrestling, go to smartoutmoment.com. That's where we do most of our work for different things. Rob's got stuff that he works with on that spectrum as well. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at DudeFleece. Check out Fightful.com. Check out Fightful Select. Check out Fightful Scraps. Go on Twitch. Subscribe to Fightful Gaming. I want to really lift that side of things up so I can get paid to just play video games. That would be a dream. (laughs) Um yeah, I thank you for your support. I like that we've done like three fanboys things this month. Look at that. Yeah, man, I would love to do so much more. Here's to more in 2021. The next so, thing probably coming at you on this side of things, if I may be so bold as to say it, would probably be a review of Batman Soul of the Dragon. Probably, January. that's uh, January 12th, I think. Yep. And I've already pre-ordered it, which means I will allow Tony to watch it through my thing <laughs> and yeah we'll be watching that yeah so i'm looking forward to that and if anything else does pop up in the meantime you know there's always the option for group meeting podcasts or looking back on old movies or tv show episodes of things i've still been on my power rangers kick a little bit here and there the holidays kind of threw me off of doing my notes but you know i still kind of want to maybe revisit the old power rangers movie or something or you know We'll figure something out in the meantime and try to do whatever we do. But if you have any requests, drop them in the comments as well and let us know what you'd like to see on the website or on the uh, the podcast side of things. Subscribe and follow us all over the place. Check me out at Tony Mango. Check out everything else under a mango tree that might pop up there. And yeah, that's going to do us in. So thank you for listening to this, everybody. We will see you next time. But for now, it's time for us to geek out.